This is episode 002 of The Routine. A huge thank you to those who have tuned into our first show. We have been absolutely blown away by the number of listens and most importantly, the messages of support and feedback. We are based in Dubai, but our listenership has already stretched across the GCC to parts of Europe, the UK, America, Australia, of course, and even a bunch of listeners in Ukraine. So, spasiva. If you're enjoying the conversations, then please give us a rating or even subscribe, as this is what helps a lot. Welcome to The Routine, a podcast series dedicated to helping you develop the routine that will unlock your true potential. I'm your host, Leith Matthews, a Dubai-based entrepreneur and co-founder of the region's first dedicated personal care site for men, Rockpool. My name is Zubair Tamal. I'm co-founder of Rockpool. My background is law, tech and design, and I'm looking forward to sharing the next hour with you. At Rockpool, we are passionate about helping guys on their path to looking and feeling their best selves. We believe that a thoughtful routine and positive habits, when practiced consistently, hold the key to unlocking the mindset to do amazing things. We're on a mission to meet and spend time with dynamic, creative and successful guys to observe their daily routine and look for insights to the tools and tactics used to propel them forward. Today we are chatting with Shefan Lantra, or you probably know him better as Mr. Chef Codes. Chef has been a prominent part of the vibrant nightlife scene here in Dubai for the last decade, building a personal brand and reputation as one of the most influential men across music, fashion and men's style. We got started by hearing the origin story of DJ Mr. Chef Codes. DJing will always be my love. Before style, fashion and everything else, my mom would tell me that I got the music inspiration from her because she used to sing in school. But if you see pictures of my family gatherings and family parties. I'm always close to the, the cassette player. I don't know why, but I always was there. My uncle was the one in charge of music and would tell me to select different tapes and play it. And uh, at that time, I didn't know that it was called DJing. So I, was a little, I was a little kid, I didn't know what was DJing. I was just selecting music, but that was a form of DJing. In my head, I would put a Britney Spears song with a Justin Timberlake song. I didn't know it was the same producer, but it was only after I met my cousin, and he was a DJ, and he would tell me to come and play for him in the nightclub when nobody was there at like six o'clock. So I would take advantage to go and use the equipment. I, I would play songs and I, in the back of my mind, I would know what the buttons were. I don't know why, but my body and my fingers would always be automatically go to a certain place. I'm like, I actually know what I'm doing. So as soon as I started mixing songs together, my cousin said to me, he looked at me and said, you're gonna be a big DJ one day. Was that the seed? That was the seed, yeah. I, I didn't really think about it. Like, you know, when someone tells you you're going to be a great painter, you're like, I'm just painting. It doesn't really make sense. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And my mom was super, like, totally against me being a DJ initially. I think it's because of the the stories and, and what she sees on TV and this stereotypical job, like, oh, it's probably going to get into drugs and cigarettes and excessive drinking and stuff like that. But yeah, that was really the, the start of me being DJ chef, not even Mr. Chef Coz, it was DJ chef. You started to get into some early gigs, you started to, to yeah. realize that there was maybe some money you could make in this industry. Yeah, I looked at other people were doing, I'm like, you know, I can do something really better than what they were doing. So I would play at different parties. I would do like Indian weddings and uh, Persian engagement parties. And how were you getting your name out at, at that very early stage? Was, how were you? It getting was all through friends. Like uh, my friends would tell, would speak to some other friends and say, "Oh, you know what? I, I I know somebody who could play music for you." And I think at that time, 
being a DJ was such a nerdy thing. I was a shy kid. I was a shy teenager. You know, so my friends would technically get the gigs for me and then we would all go together to play at this party. So you had your entourage. I, my, I, had, a, I had an entourage, it was like four people. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how my name came about because I was doing all these different parties. It was a language, right? It was a different language. It was a DJ language. So I, it was a DJ code. And then that's how it came down to Mr. Chef Codes. Can you explain that? I'm not part of this. I don't understand. What code was the so DJ code? So it was like so I was doing Indian parties and Persian parties and English and Scottish and Irish parties and different parties all together. So it felt like a DJ code. That's how then my name came about, Mr. Chef Codes. Nice. Yeah. What about the Mr.? Mr. Where it came, I was listening to a lot of Linkin Park. And the DJ, his name was Mr. Han. So I like borrowed his thing. I wouldn't just see myself as just being a DJ. I could be an artist as well. So if I was painting or took a picture or doing something, if I was rapping or singing, I could be still be called Mr. Chef Codes. Mm. It's interesting, like when you're starting any project, whether it's a, a business, a startup, or yeah. how important the naming yeah. process is. Yeah. Even more so now, like with trying to get the Instagram and yeah, the yeah, domain name and everything. You want it to be concise, like with in all, on all platforms. And it's important somehow. It's like some names just work. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Chef Codes. I think that's a name for me that works. I think it, it represents your brand now, but right at that early stage, were you conscious of that brand that you were working yourself into? It, it's, it's funny you say that because it's, I've always thought about it. And I'm like, why did I choose that name? But it, it was things that I was reading and things that I was always researching. I was finding out, like, how can I be as big as I can be? And the reason I called my, myself Mr. Chef Codes was because if I had a party, I would call it a coded party. Or like if I had a studio, I would call it a coded studio. And so and like I, w- I wanted people, when it come to my party, it'd be like, oh, I went for a coded party. You know, that was the reason for it. But it, I thought about it when I was 16. So you had the, you had the sub-brands already yeah, in your exactly. mind when launching uh, yeah. the original DJ name. Exactly. And from, from what I've seen, the, the early photos of you when you were getting started, you were you were always well dressed. You was that part of the the image? Was that part of the the brand that even at that early stage you were working towards? I think I got my got to what about dressing really well from my dad because my dad would take half an hour to to iron out his the creases in his trousers. So I always wanted to be super neat and tidy. And that in the back of my mind was the way an image that I wanted to portray. I wanted to be well-dressed everywhere I went. I can definitely see the drips on point. You've got the New Balance, <laughs> the Patagonia, the vintage watch. And like it's, it's fascinating like listening into the conversation and you talk about shyness. And I think we've all been through phases of our life where there's an element of your personality that you need to broadcast. You're not quite ready yet to, to, to go that far. So when you did have that moments of shyness in the past, was there anyone specifically that kind of reached out to you that helped you overcome the shyness? When I first started DJing, it was my mentor, my cousin who talked to me about music but then I think I was there was a missing element which was portraying yourself and Bliss was the one who reached out to me was like guiding me to a certain to a certain level and he told me this thing he said chef you need to be the guy that ever, all the guys want to be and all the girls want to be with that relationship with Marwan I mean 
I've seen how the two of you have interacted over the years and Rockpool were about coaching and, and mentoring and it seems like there's such a great rapport. So can you talk us, give us an insight into that relationship? You've said in the past that you really appreciate and value the time he actually spends with you. Yeah, I think I met Marwan when he was like all working himself. <laughs> he was working in, on, on TV, he was working, he was doing radio and he was also doing these parties so he didn't really have time for himself. But the fact that he was helping me out and putting me into some of his parties that somebody that he didn't really know, I fully, I, I give him some sort of respect for what he did at that time. You wouldn't expect someone like Marwan because you know what I was saying, you were talking about this persona and him being a big DJ, like you wouldn't really think that somebody like that would would give you, would reach out and help you out, but he did. And uh, I'm, I'm super thankful for whatever he, that he's done so far. And it's it came down to the point where we just became friends over the years because he could tell me anything and I wouldn't say, I'm like, he would trust me with a lot of things and I wouldn't mess it up. It's been like 12 years now we've been DJing together and that's a long time. That's definitely a long time. And so that's interesting because when you have any relationship, the fundamental base of that is trust. Yeah. And so how did you guys create that mutual trust where you're like the young up and coming DJ, he's already established, but it seems like he gave you access to a lot to, with his brand and his platform. I think when I started working with Marwan, I went with, with, with an eagerness to learn and I, and I took this ego of me knowing certain things out of the way so that I would still learn because this person is an industry leader and I want to be learning from him and and I think that's what changed it for him because he because he saw this kid whose willingness who, who was hungry to learn how did you learn are you good at asking questions you just absorb by looking at people there's different ways of absorbing information i think it's i think it's a bit of both i absorb a lot of information but i also would ask questions if i didn't understand it is why did you do that or why would you do this before that i think it also didn't want i didn't want to irritate him with like certain questions at that time so you need to know when to ask a certain person uh, a certain question as well because you can't be asking how do you do this in the middle of a, a set or when you're busy doing something you know so yeah i think he appreciated that <laughs> yeah and was there ever a time where you're like this guy's like really trusted me and i haven't delivered for him or you felt as though you'd maybe let him down and was there anything in that situation or circumstance where he was like you know what it's okay it's cool uh, so i when i was working for a, a a property company before i started working for marwan and he, he was the reason why I left. And I wish I could do more things for him, like right now, like in, in, ret in retrospect, because he, he gave me the keys. I'm pretty sure he's, he's proud of me, if, if you ask him. <laughs> but I could have done more. You know, that, I think we always think about it in a, in a certain manner that you could, we could have done, we could do more than just what we're actually doing right now. And I think that that's my, only thing about it. I wish I could do, do more for him yeah I think that is something beautiful about that a friendship and yeah. your feelings that you could do more but I'm sure you did a lot I remember interacting with you Marwan and the wider team and by wider team Tanya and Amy yeah. that for me the four of you that was the A team can you give us an insight in terms of what made your team you in those days we were just being super genuine with each other like we weren't trying to be somebody else we were super genuine marwan always has this tendency to to be very casual with how you work but also he wants 
things to be delivered. But I, the, the fact that we could still be candid with the, our relationship but still deliver, I think that's what it worked for so long. I was very professional with, and obviously Tanya and Amy were still super professional with what they were handling, but we also did like silly things at certain times. And I think that's what really worked. It's just the fact that we were true to each other, true to ourselves, but still kept it really professional. And it seems like you're also very honest. We were super honest. If someone, if somebody was slacking, they would, somebody would say, oh, you know what, chef, you're slacking, you need to pick it up and do better. And I, I, I wouldn't feel bad about it. That's awesome, what a team. Cool, so w when I arrived in, in Dubai about 10 years ago, a little bit longer, a sensation that I felt was Dubai was so young, so youthful, so full of opportunity. And if I were to, to try to do a few things in this city that was on such a fast track, that if even if I was to put a peg in there somewhere, I could grow with, grow with this city. Me being the Dubai kid that I am, our hustle was a little different. We were trying to do parties at every possible nightclub in Dubai. We did a party, a uh, 4 one at Armani on a Saturday where nobody would even think about it. I think at that time, uh, the people of Dubai were looking for something new, but they didn't know where to look. And the fact that we were giving them a, a R&B night, urban night, at a, a fancy spot, like, you, like Armani, you wouldn't think about Oh, they're going to do an R&B night at Armani? That would have never happened like when we first started. And I think at that time, we were just doing parties and parties. Like we were doing a party on a Saturday. We were doing a party on a Tuesday, Wednesday, and a Thursday. Things were going well. You guys were, were hustling hard. You were top of your game, yeah. moving markets. Yeah. So I think we're, when 2020 hit, everyone, I think all of us realized that we were taking life for granted and we needed a time of reflection. Right before that, me as a DJ, I was an autopilot. Like I was getting great money. I would, you know, take holidays. I would like stay at great hotels around Dubai, around UAE. And I had that luxury. 2020 and, and, and COVID affected industries and, and people all around the world. I, from what I can imagine, the nightlife industry was hit pretty hard. Is that fair to say? And then what was the reaction and what happened here in, in Dubai? It did hit us really bad because we had payment issues with like certain clubs, like they didn't pay us right on time. And it, it delayed us from getting up an income. But there wasn't any help from like the government as well. But we had to hustle our way through. We have to, we had to find uh, different modes of surviving essentially and I think that's when a lot of different DJs found out that they could do different things like they could do a concierge in Dubai like they could do a, they could be a tour guide they could do certain things I think they were applying what they learned as a DJ to to certain things in, in all aspects of life. So like for me, for example, I tried to learn, get more into photography and videography. I, I, I learned how to do live streaming. I, I learned how to do a lot of different things. I got more into coffee and I had like grind my beans like you guys saw the other day. But yeah, there was, I think it's a learning curve that successful DJs, I would say, had to maneuver and find a way to survive. I think it's a lesson for everyone, no matter what industry you're in, yeah. no matter what you're doing. Yeah. And things can be going really well. You can be making a, a, a great income or great re revenue doing what you do day in, day out. But you're never certain. Never. And, and now more than ever, like things can change so quickly. Yeah. 
and it's those brands or, or people who are just one step ahead who seem to be able to commercialize even at the yeah, even for sure. in the most difficult times. I, like I said, because we were in cruise control, we never really thought about the bigger picture. We never really thought about, oh, what's our five-year plan? What's our, why do we need to do a business? That being said, and I know it's still at the moment, it's quite a, it's quite a uncertain time, even now in 2021. Are you starting to formulate the, the, a plan for the next three years, the next um, five so years? Is it too soon so to say? Everyone's usually make fun of me, of my name. So, oh, chef, can you cook? So I've always been a keen on food. I always say that I'm a wannabe food critic because I love eating. <laughs> and because I've been in Dubai for so long, I want to try and open up a Sri Lankan restaurant. There's so many silver linings that come from a negative situation. Exactly. And yeah. yeah. It's something that I always wanted to do anyway. But it's like, why not do it right now when I have all the time in the world and I should be making more use of it. Cooking with Chef oh, coming chef. soon. Exactly. <laughs> so you're very creative. So we've got different elements that you look at. And I think music in itself is a, it's a form of art. So can you talk us through your inspiration? Like what inspires you when you're on the decks? I get, inf- get inspired by different things, by different, by different movies or like different things that I see, different things that I hear. Like, for example, you're wearing this uh, suit and jacket like you're wearing a black but you have like white polka dots and I would look into a way of implementing a dark sound but putting like happy vocals here and there. That's fascinating. But is that an example that you're looking at Zubair's uh, yeah, outfit at the moment? Or, or, or that actually happens. You'll look at someone, maybe they're dressed in a way and that will inspire. Uh, I, it, it could inspire me because wow. I'm like, oh, you know what? This guy's different or he dresses up a certain way. I'm like, I need to figure out how to put that way that he's dressing into a certain to, to a certain style of music. Yeah. If Zubair is dressing up really differently, I'm like, I want to be playing very differently if that makes any sense yeah it makes perfect sense that's deep right for me (laughs) that's deep and i think it really personifies music in its purest art form right and speaking of art when we were hanging out with you over the weekend there was a moment when you were on your decks and we felt that there was a certain connection between you and the music and we took a step back and we were just engaged in what you were going through. I don't really look at the crowd when I DJ because I'm always thinking about it in bubbles, about what I'm playing currently, and then me thinking about the next three songs to play. But I, I should be looking at the crowd and if they're enjoying it or not. But sometimes I get so deep into the music that I don't want to look at anybody. And like if somebody like disturbs me, that's the end of it. And why do you say bubbles? Is this you're visualizing? It's, it's a, a visualizing, bubble? yeah. Really? So when you draw a cartoon, like you think about it in bubbles. And what the song exists within? Uh, yeah, yeah. So if it's um, so we have this thing in in DJing. It's called wordplay. So I would think of certain songs that go along with work, for example. So I would think about Missy Work It, and then I put Rihanna Work, and like how I can connect all of those songs together and make it like more appealing to mm. the people. Does that make sense? I don't know if I'm like... It makes sense, but I'm interested in how it works in your mind in, and okay. how you're... And how yeah. you're. So you find a track, you, you think that's going to be cool to play soon, and then that will exist in one bubble, yeah. I presume. So let's say, okay, for example, I'm, I'm going to say my process, right? Yeah. I'm playing Missy Work It, and work it, and then I play like Rihanna, work, work, work. But also think about songs that already have work in it. So let's say No Diggity, right? No Diggity, there's no, there's nothing that says no, nothing in it. But if you listen, if you think about the song, it says, I like the way you work it. So I'll connect all of that together. So it's a uh, me 
thinking about how I'm going to connect it together, but in a more cleaner manner. It's not about, okay, you can play the songs together, but how is it going to sound for mm -hmm. the people? And how is it, is it going to sound messy? Is it going to sound noisy? So I'll try and use that as a guide for me. So that's why I like, I'm always thinking, oh, what am I going to play next? So if I'm playing No Diggity, for example, is that my segue to play old school hip hop and R&B? Or should I go deeper into the word work? I'm a sequential person, so I can yeah. see how that feeds from one narrative into the other. Yeah. If we were to take a step back and I was to ask you, Chef, why do you think you've been successful and relative for over a decade? In my opinion, you're one of the Dubai OGs. Yeah. And we've also seen with Dubai is that people are here for a few years and off they go. Right. Why do you think you've managed to sustain that success over such a long period of time? I'm always digging into different kinds of music and trying to see what the trend is going towards and not following the trend. I think that's one of the reasons why I'm trying to be very super relevant. I want to go along with it to a certain extent, but I want to go above and beyond that. And I think that's calling that out and figuring that path. It, it would take some time, but I think that's, the, that's my way of looking at it. And I think that's my way of staying relevant as well. And for that to happen, you need to be brave. Yeah. For someone to, to put themselves out ahead of the trend, yeah. like we know what is cool now, we know what's working right now, yeah. but to really believe in yourself, to be showing people what you believe is going to be next, it's bravery. And, and I think it, it's going to take some time for Dubai because Dubai at a certain stage wasn't musically educated and they, were, they only enjoyed what was played on, on radio. But now, because the generation's changing, everyone's on TikTok and everyone's on Reels and everyone's listening to this fast digestion of music. I think it's changing now. Like people are appreciating like new music now and where it's heading to. Your music, your taste, the tastemaker side, for sure. But I think another big part of your success is is, is, is your character. Now, I can speak firsthand here in the way that we reached out to you to tell you about Rockpool. We're a young startup. We haven't got too much out there yet, but the way that you were so positive and willing to help and willing to participate, that says to me, like, your first instinct is to make strong partnerships and, and look to support people if you can. And I think that goes a long way, vice versa. Me personally and Rockpool would be looking to help you in any circumstance. And if you do that on a regular basis, then your chance of success is amplified, right? Yeah, and thanks, Leif, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I said it properly. No, no you yeah. did. I, I, I try to base my relationships on, on the, first of all, the vibe and the positivity. And second of all, how I feel about the product and, and um, the brand itself. Like, I've, I work with amongst few before they even started, like I was part of their the lookbook and campaign when they first did it, and I'll look how far they've come. And that's the kind of relationship that I, I want to be working with, and that's why I said I'm always very open to whatever Rockpool is trying to do and how I can help in any form or manner, because I know that I think, I feel as if Rockpool is going to become a big entity, in not in Dubai, probably the whole world. I'm, I'm trying to envision it to a certain extent. I'm trying to be positive about <laughs> Thank you, man. If we think at your creative impulses, like we've spent some time in your apartment, it's super interesting. There's elements of music, elements of art, elements of architecture, literature, it's all there. You're telling us about your daily routine and part of that is learning about crypto. 
Yeah. And I found that fascinating. So can you give us an insight in terms of what is it that makes you curious about different topics? And I feel that also comes across in your music as well. It's not generic, it's yeah. very personalized. The curiosity part, I don't know, I've always been uh, curious as a kid. And like I said, my uncle would always entrust me with playing the music is because I was always inquisitive about sitting right next to the, the cassette player. I would always, I wouldn't go halfway through. I would go the full extent. So if I'm making coffee, I would sit down and study about the different types of coffee and why does it taste so different and why is there, why do you need to bloom coffee? Uh, the elements to it, I've always been super curious about it. And, and that's the reason why I got into DJing as, as well, about how you how you scratch and why you scratch. I'm always being inquisitive like that. I'm, I'm still trying to learn. I'm never ever going to stop learning. I find it really interesting in terms of transferable skills, like in general. So what do you think you've learned from being a DJ in terms of skill sets that you can apply to other industry verticals? I always thought about that aspect, like how can I transfer me being a DJ into a different aspect of life? So number one is research and digging. Because as a DJ, you just have to look for new music, you have to see how it sounds, and me being the inquisitive guy that I am, I'm still going in-depth with like certain things. So if I'm starting to do videography or photography, first of all, I would research different cameras, the different equipment, and then the end result as well, like how it actually looks, how people perceive it. See, So when I take a picture, like, how are people going to picture it? How is you transferring your creativity and your vision into the picture or into the music. We were chatting with Tarek last week and he reminded me of a quote that I quite like and it's, how you do something is how you do everything. Yeah. And it strikes me when you ask about transferable skills, like I would back you to do anything. Like now that I know that you're a photographer, I'd be like, absolutely. I, I would love you to take photos for a project that I'm working on. Yeah. Cause like, I know you've got good taste. I know you've got good style. I know how you can put things in the right place to make them look their very best. The way that you make coffee by the sounds of it. Like how you are so specific to create your personal brand, to yeah. create your sets, which are, are setting trends, to set up your photography. How you do something is how you do everything. Yeah, and I think I you've got every chance to be successful in in, in anything that you go after? I hope so. I'm still uh, looking looking to, I'm still like standing up straight and trying to Absolutely. march towards sure. that goal. Absolutely. Now, you, you look like a positive guy. In every interaction I've ever had with you, you're very friendly, very positive, and I, I believe it comes naturally. Yeah, I, I hope so, because I'm, I'm trying to be positive. When I read The Secret and I watched this little documentary about how everything is atoms and how you can break it down and when you're a positive person, there are positive things come to you as well. Yeah. So that's how I would try to be. Like that's how I always try to be. So even if having a, even if I have a really bad day, I'm always say to myself, it could be worse. Like I, I lost my job, but I'm pretty sure there are certain things that could be even worse than that. The ability to have the mindset to appreciate those yeah. things and yeah. not allow yourself to to get down and fall into negativity. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it comes natural to you. I, I, I think a lot of people really struggle with it, to, to be honest. You shouldn't really complain because, I, like I said, there, there, could something, there could be something worse. So I always be positive with what I get and what I receive and how you, it's how you look at it really. It's how you look at life and how you perceive it to be. 
Now, you get, uh, whenever when someone says, "How are you?" I said, "I'm always good," because that's how you perceive you should perceive life to be. You can't be like, "Oh, I'm not feeling great," even though <laughs> I, I've not had any money coming in for a year. I'm like, I'm not saying telling people like, "Oh, I'm feeling really bad because I'm not making any money." Whatever, I'm still happy. I'm still positive. I'm still be um, appreciating life. So able to do certain things. Not gonna sit down by myself and sulk and be negative about a situation. It's also when I get into it, I get get out of it really easily. Because hmm. you can't be positive 24/7. You can't be like, yeah, I'm a happy guy. But reality, like there are days where like it's not great. But I get out of it really quick. Yeah. Is there anything that I I I keep asking a similar question, but it's only because it's so fascinating to me, really, that the way that we see the world. Nothing changes. It's only the eyes that we see it through, and it's just fascinating to me the idea that well, sometimes you can see all the positivity and you can see all the opportunity, and you can really go after it. But then on another occasion, you'll be in in just a, a slightly negative um, mindset, and you'll see only the challenges. Yeah. And nothing has changed except for, for yourself. Yeah. So I'm honestly just really fascinated to to hear from people who are doing cool things and live successful lifestyles to understand. Well, how do you get out? How do you like just try your best to make sure that you're always looking through the the right lens? I, I don't know. I just allow myself, allow my 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 body, my mind to to wander and come back. I do a lot of uh, meditation. I'd like to do it as as daily as I as possible. I think meditating is a great form of escaping that mindset as well. Forgetting and meditating, you need to be in this stance and mindset in in order for you to begin again. Begin again. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's not because your mind's mind's always cloudy. Mind's always like thinking about. It. You need to. I know obviously uh, this uh, thing about bubbles, but yeah, you need to put it into bubble and let it float away. And it's very interesting that you speak about meditation <laughs> yeah. in, in the way we like, and to begin again, and, yeah. and it's the the practice and the training of the mind to yeah. realize that, and to use your uh, to use your idea of a bubble, that sometimes these thoughts are purely just bubbles anyway, yeah. and if you just give them a little bit of a a poke, you realize they, that they, they just evaporate yeah. anyway. Exactly. Look, in, there's always going to be a solution for every problem, or there's going to be a, a problem for every solution as well, but you need to figure out. It's, it's always uh, one step at a time. If you're in debt, like you, you can definitely pay a way out of it, but you need to figure out how to do it. Like you can't pay a hundred thousand, but if you pay a hundred dirhams or something like that, it's your form of what you call it coming coming into peace with yourself. Like oh, you've given a hundred, now I'm pretty sure you can give a hundred again. You know what I mean? There are ways around it. There is definitely solutions for every problem. It's just that the there. Are, it's obviously obstacles that we have to all go through. It's not everyone's the not perfect. Yes, and it's basically those small steps that you take to get to that big goal. Exactly. And whether it's repaying a debt or setting that in place and working incrementally, right across the board. Yeah, it's about if you're if you really want to get into something, you have to be consistent and you have to be uh, with, with consistent with yourself. And even if you spend ten minutes of reading and every day. Or five minutes of reading every day, or a, a one page of a book every day, and you read a book, and that's something big. That not a lot of people can say that. Not a lot of people can say, oh, "I've read a book." Do you know, like, in in a sense that you're gathering knowledge, and uh, it's one step at a time. Breaking it down to the manageable chunks yeah. and just yeah. taking it each step. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah. And just to follow on from that. You've talked in the past about rushing and taking the opportunity to slow down and process and then go again. Where you can it? see the, I think if you slow it down, you can see the inaccuracies with whatever you're doing as well. But I think it's a, it needs to be a, a, it needs to be a mix of both. To, to put out music, 
often, but not take too long to do it as well. That's like runs into other industries, yeah. and other professions, exactly. other pits of art in these modern times where things are just moving so quickly. So quick. If you sit on it for too long, it's, it's already too late. Even with music, the song that you keep on hearing, Astronaut in the Ocean, it's a very popular song now on, on the reels and, and TikTok. He put out a song in 2019 and it became famous now. So do you see how long it took for it to, mm. it to hit? So it, he, he put it out anyway. Like he's, you know what, it's my final product, I'm gonna put it out. But it took people to realize like, oh, it's a great song. Why didn't we, why didn't we look about it? So it, it, it goes to show like, you, it's a, it should be a mix of both really. Mm. Should be, but, uh, you should put your music out, but people will eventually listen to it in the long run. And that concept of just putting something out, in human nature, like rejection is like one of the yeah, biggest it's aspects. A, it's an insecurity, yeah. yeah. Sure, because even for me, and it's something that I saw Gary Vee say, it's about imperfections and it's an insecurity. Your imperfections are, is your insecurity, really. Because yeah, you're trying to be a perfectionist or something, but you're really deep down inside insecure with like how people perceive it. Yeah, most aspects of life, like that leap of faith, that's usually the difference between making it and not making it. And like being confident in your opinion or being confident in your art that's as important as how someone else interprets it. And it's, I find it really interesting that when you look at the concept of music and then you look at art and then you look at an orchestra, what happens in an orchestra? You have a conductor yeah. and he or she, their very bodily actions has a direct impact on how the orchestra plays. Yes. And in some ways, that's what you do. Yeah. Like you're the conductor and yeah. you've got five, 600 people playing. So when that happens, what is that like for you? Because I've always looked at that and been like, that's incredible, I wish I could do that, but. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a feeling that I miss actually, because I look at all my old videos and it's this feeling that you get when like people are singing along to whatever you're playing. And that feeling is incredible because mm. you could hear just like people just, you could, you could hear the echo, but it's an incredible feeling. And that's one of the reasons why I started DJing really. Yeah. And then, yeah, I, I miss that feeling <laughs> right mm. now. I want to get back into mm. working and DJing now. Yeah, a lot of people missing their offices, missing yeah. their colleagues, but yeah. you're missing the, the rush <laughs> of yeah. thousands of people yeah. cheering along. Yeah. Yeah. Well, me and Leif will be there. Next big gig you got, we'll be that the fun. I don't know when that's happening, but yeah. <laughs> So yeah, we, we have alluded to the fact that we were at your apartment this weekend. I was pretty impressed when I saw the Pharrell human race range and I just thought, oh, that's perfect. Yeah. That's like such the, yeah. the right, right brand for you. And Pharrell, I think he's just done such a legit job of creating a wonderful brand like you would expect, but then also working with really smart people to put together some products that from the ingredients list to the, to the way that they feel, yeah, re really a legit. I'm glad that he's uh, he's put the cool in it. I'm, I'm glad that more men are looking to do it. They're not shy at looking at cleansers or moisturizer. I don't want to be having uh, really bad skin when I'm like 40 or 50, you yeah. know? so it should be taken care of now. It's just an extension, really. You're conscious about the way that you dress, the way that you represent yourself, the way that you learned from your father to make sure your clothes were, were, were neat and tidy and, yeah. and on point, in the same way that I know you're passionate about your hair, and we've had conversations in barbershops in the past. It's an extension of yourself, for sure. Uh, and people will ask about the hair products that I'm using or what are you using for your skin. <laughs> At the end of the day, I'm having, I have a good skin yeah. that's breathable and I look fresh. Women, especially, love you when you're taking care of your skin. 
Like they're more prone to hear what you're saying if you take care of your skin. And that's how I look at it. Maybe I'm wrong, but this is what I've this is what I realized over the years. Girls take such great care of themselves and their skin is so nice and soft and yeah. it's it's almost unfair that we or men in general don't take equal care not only for ourselves but as well for our partners. Yeah. And I think because of the rappers and the singers and the artists and celebrities t today, I think they have a, a mission to educate people that, you know what, this is what you should do. And I think one of the journeys that Pharrell took was you should take care of your skin and be a good person. It's about human race. And there's no inequality. Like, it's throughout. And Fenty are doing makeup for men. And you can do it as long as if there's something that you enjoy doing. But I'm glad that it's, it's not just only for women anymore. I, I know, cause I know, like even Fenty's doing. I've seen it. I've seen men in their campaigns. Even like uh, Huda Beauty have men in their campaign as well. Yeah. So it, it, it's good to see Pharrell's range, human race yeah. is uh, unisex. Yeah. So it's not the female would have such different skin to the man yeah, that exactly. the man would have yeah. the three-in-one wash and, and, yeah, yeah. And, the, and the girl would have all of these great products. That's why you see it's three-in-one. Change now. That is the end of episode 002. A huge thanks to our guest, chef, and my co-host, Zubair, for their time. We will be back next week with another installment of The Routine Podcast. If you have any feedback or you'd like to chat about anything at all, you can email me at laith at rockpool.co or send a message via our Instagram page. Stay up to date with all things Rockpool by subscribing to our mailing list. Thanks for listening. <laughs>